This is the Late Round Podcast with your host, JJ Zacharisa. What's up, everyone? It's JJ Zacharyson, the editor-in-chief at FanDuel and at NumberFire.com, and this is episode 427 of the Late Round Podcast, the many shows that are part of the FanDuel Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. The 2020 NFL season is in full swing, and there's no easier way to get in on the action than with FanDuel's Gridiron Pick'em Contest. All you have to do is pick the winner of each week's matchups correctly, and you'll take home a share of the $5,000 weekly jackpot. The best part? It's completely free. To enter for free, visit playfree.fanduel.com gridiron. Eligibility restrictions apply. Now let's get to this week's transactions. Add Chase Claypool. My goodness. My goodness, Chase Claypool. Now look guys, Claypool's not going to keep this up. He's scoring a touchdown on every five targets. During this NFL season with so much scoring, NFL wide receivers have averaged a touchdown on every 20 or so targets. And according to ESPN Mike Clay's Opportunity Adjusted Touchdown Metric, or OTD, Claypool has been the most fortunate touchdown scorer in all of the NFL, in the entire league. But like I said in my 15 transactions column, that's not really the point. We know that regression is going to come for Claypool. The bigger picture here is that Claypool is going to become an every down player for this Steelers offense, even with a healthy Deontay Johnson. Because by the way, Deontay Johnson left Sunday's game early with a back injury. That probably had something to do with this Claypool breakout. Not everything. Claypool balled out. He showed off his talent. He's a very good wide receiver, clearly. But Deontay Johnson not being on the field helped Chase Claypool be on the field more. And we've started to see Claypool on the field more and more since those week one and week two games. In those contests, he played no more than 37% of Pittsburgh snaps. But over the team's last two games, he's played no fewer than 69% of the team's snaps. I'm not going to say it. And that's coincided with the target share spike. He saw 11.4% of the team's targets in week three. And then this past week, after their bye, he had a 32% target share. Now keep in mind, Deontay Johnson also left that week three game early. So in back-to-back games now, Johnson's not been able to play a large number of the team's snaps. He's been hurt. So you can make the argument that the reason we're seeing this Chase Claypool breakout is because of that. But the breakout wouldn't be this amazing and this incredible if not for Claypool's talent. So we're now seeing this talent. Once we've seen this talent, the Steelers aren't going to put this back in the garage. They're not going to put him back on the bench and have him be a part-time player splitting time with James Washington. So you need to add Claypool this week. And I do think that overall, Deontay Johnson, if he's healthy, he's going to be fine. I've already talked about my worries with Juju Smith-Schuster on this show this year. And then James Washington is the one who really hurts from this Claypool breakout. That's the player who's going to see fewer snaps because of Chase Claypool. But of course, if Deontay Johnson misses time, then James Washington is in play. So maybe you want to add Washington this week too. By Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So many people were frustrated with CEH this past Sunday. I understand why. He finally gets his plus matchup, and he doesn't do a whole lot. He scored 11 PPR points. And it was in a game with a lot of scoring. But guys, I still think he's a buy, which is what I talked about on the mailbag episode last week. He still saw 91% of Kansas City's running back rushes. He had a 19% target share. And on the season, his running back rush share is 81%, and his target share is 14%. 
There's only one other running back in the entire NFL with those marks. His name is Ezekiel Elliott. Like, I get that you're disappointed with Clyde Edwards-Alaire's start. I totally understand. I have him in leagues. I get it. But this is not the time to give up on him, especially considering he was a penalty away from scoring a touchdown on Sunday. And if he scores that touchdown, the narrative is completely shifted. So go ahead and get Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Sell Mike Evans. Now look, I talked about Mike Evans as a sell on last week's show. He comes out, he scores a touchdown, he has five catches, but he's still a sell right now. And the same logic from last week applies to this week. Now I get it, he's essentially being used as like the goal line back for Tampa Bay. He has four goal line targets this season. That's tied for the league lead. But six touchdowns on 35 targets is not sustainable. And neither is six touchdowns on 271 yards. Now, Evans is going to see more touchdowns than the average player. But a player with that many yards would be expected to score fewer than two touchdowns. Mike Evans has six. And then there's the Chris Godwin factor. He's missed three games for the Bucs this year. And in those contests, Evans has averaged almost a 23% target share per game. With Chris Godwin, that number drops to 11.4%. Like I said last week, I'm still expecting Evans to produce. Without costs associated with it, I would love to have Mike Evans on my fantasy team. But he's not going to maintain this pace of scoring touchdowns. Add Alexander Madison and Mike Boone. So Dalvin Cook hurt his groin on Sunday night against Seattle. And that allowed Alexander Madison and Mike Boone to get a little bit more action in that Vikings offense. Madison saw the biggest leap. He had 18 carries in the second half without Dalvin Cook. And he ran the ball efficiently. He finished the day with over 100 yards on the ground. And then Mike Boone saw a pair of carries as well. Now, entering week five, Minnesota was the most run-heavy team in the entire NFL in neutral game scripts. They utilized their running backs. So if Dalvin Cook misses time, Madison will be very, very usable in fantasy football. But I do think that you should still be adding Mike Boone to just see what happens. Drop A.J. Green. So there was some hope earlier this season, you guys might remember me talking about it on this very show, but there was some hope earlier this season that A.J. Green was just on the wrong side of variance. That's why he was a hold or a buy earlier this season. Because all the numbers added up, all the numbers showed that A.J. Green should regress positively. But at the same time, he was a hold because A.J. Green didn't look like the old A.J. Green. He's very unlikely going to be a dominant force in fantasy football ever again. He's averaged just a little over 5 PPR points per game, and he's scored just 1.3 points over the last two weeks. And now he has a hamstring injury. Maybe eventually a change of scenery will help A.J. Green. Maybe him going to another team will help. But I think that seems like a stretch. So I think you can go ahead and drop him. By Matthew Stafford. So I'm sure a lot of you listening to this have Dak Prescott on your fantasy team. And now you're looking for a replacement. In the short term, that replacement could be Matthew Stafford. Now, he's not throwing it deep as frequently as we saw last season where he led the entire league in deep ball rate. Hopefully, that turns around, though. Hopefully, they start to throw the ball down the field more. But he's been solid enough. He has multiple passing touchdowns in each of his last three games. And on top of that, he hasn't had Kenny Galladay for parts of the season. But the main reason I'm talking about Stafford this week is because he can buy you some time. The Lions get Jacksonville and Atlanta over the next two weeks. Those two teams rank as two of the three best matchups for opposing quarterbacks in terms of adjusted fantasy points against this year. 
there's a chance that Stafford is going to have season-long value from here on out. A lot of people were high on Stafford entering the year. But at the very least, he should come through in week six and seven. Sell Todd Gurley. So the only running back now to not have a big day against Carolina has been Kenyon Drake, of course. And he struggled all year long. The Panthers have now been the most advantageous matchup for opposing running backs this year. They've allowed nearly 10 fantasy points more than they should have per game to opposing runners. So in other words, teams facing the Panthers have seen an uptick of 10 fantasy points scored versus their season-long average. And that's what Todd Gurley experienced in Week 5. He had 25 PPR points. His season-long average entering that game was a little over 13. He now has back-to-back good weeks in fantasy. But keeping this pace is going to be difficult. He has a 67.5% running back rush share on the year, which is fine. That's 14th best among all running backs. But his target share is only 6.5%. That ranks 40th among running backs. He's really gotten by on rushing touchdowns. He's averaging one rushing touchdown per game. But that's in one of the most pass-heavy offenses in all of football. That's what scares me. Atlanta's thrown seven touchdowns this year versus six rushing touchdowns. They have a pass-to-rush touchdown ratio that's well below average. For such a pass-friendly team, we would expect that number to favor the throw a little bit more than it does. Now, the running back position is weak overall, so Gurley can be an RB2 from here on out. He's just played like an RB1 over the last couple of weeks, so this could be a selling opportunity. Buy Jamison Crowder. So guys, the only reason I'm bringing up Jamison Crowder on this week's 15 transactions episode is because I don't think the market has caught up. I don't think the market is realizing what Jamison Crowder has done so far in 2020. The fear here by the market is probably driven by the fact that the Jets offense sucks and Adam Gase is the coach of that team. And that's totally understandable. I don't want Jets players really either. But within this crappy environment, Crowder's come through with three top 20 performances in three games played. Over these three games, his target shares have been 39.4%, 23.3%, and 32.3%. He's missed two games, but his target share is still 20% on the season. There aren't that many players in football with that high of a target share, and he's missed two games. So this is all a little bit subjective, because I don't know exactly what the Crowder manager in your league feels about Jamison Crowder. I'm just judging by how he's ranked each and every week. And I brought this up on the matchup show last week. I don't think the market has realized how good Crowder has been. Add Travis Fulgham and John Hightower. So this Fulgham game kind of came out of nowhere. He had 10 catches, 152 yards against Pittsburgh, and a 36.1% target share. He actually has pretty decent measurables overall. He doesn't have that bad of a profile. So maybe he's able to continue this. Maybe he's able to build off of this performance. It's not like Eagles pass catchers are healthy right now. So I would add Fulgham this week. But don't forget about John Hightower either. Hightower actually played more snaps than Fulgham in week five. He just was only able to bring in two of his six targets for 18 yards. But among all players in week five, Hightower led all of them in air yards. He's a deep threat. He's fast. So in deeper leagues... I would be adding John Hightower too, but I prefer Fulgham. By Debo Samuel. So Samuel's now been back for two games, and he hasn't ranked higher than wide receiver 60 in those two contests. In upcoming for San Francisco, they get the Rams and the Patriots. 
Oh, and by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo did not look 100% on Sunday. They have quarterback questions in San Francisco too. So why would we be buying Debo Samuel? Well, I think first off, you can use all of those things when you're negotiating to try to get Debo Samuel. You can explain that the upcoming schedule is rough, that Jimmy G isn't healthy. And if the team that has Debo Samuel, if they only have one win, let's say, they might need to win right now. And that's going to make it easier for them to sell Debo. But this is definitely a longer term play. What we saw in week four is that he had a 34.2% snap share. He didn't see the ball a lot. But then in week five, that snap share jumped to 89%. And his target share is about 23%. He only scored 4.2 PPR points, but the peripherals were there for Debo. Again, I would not be spending up. I wouldn't be giving a whole lot to get Debo right now. But given the way he's performed, it's not a bad idea to look at your bench and throw some of those bench players to the Debo manager to try to get him now. Hold Hayden Hurst. All right, guys, as we know, the tight end position, it's a dumpster fire. It's a dumpster fire every year, and that's no different here in 2020. Hayden Hurst has definitely been somewhat of a disappointment, but he's still a higher-end tight end, too, in season-long despite two games with fewer than 10 receiving yards. And the good news here is that his target share has not been horrible. It's 14% in that pass-heavy Atlanta offense, and he's hit the 15% mark in three of his five games played. It was a rough outing in week five, but he actually had his second highest target share of the season against Carolina. And according to Pro Football Focus, he now ranks in the top five in routes run at the tight end position. So I would still be holding Hayden Hurst. The peripherals are fine. Sell Daryl Henderson. So raise your hand. I don't care where you are. Raise your hand if you started Daryl Henderson in week four and then benched him in week five. Yeah, I'm tilting too. He had 4.8 PPR points two weeks ago, and then this past week, Cam Akers comes back, and Daryl Henderson has almost 22 PPR points. He's now finished as a top 12 running back in three of his last four games. And look, I'll be honest, according to Number Fire's expected points model, Daryl Henderson has been the best running back in that Rams backfield this year. The issue is that there's still a backfield split, and there's no sign of that changing. Henderson has yet to play a single game with a snap share above 50%. And when Sean McVay talked about Cam Akers on Sunday after the game, he said, quote, expect his workload to increase next week. Guys, it's just a messy backfield. So if you have an opportunity to sell high, it's not a bad idea to explore that. Add or hold Kirk Cousins. So Kirk Cousins was pretty mediocre on Sunday night in a plus matchup against Seattle. But the good news is some people are probably going to drop him as a result. But I think that's a mistake. Because in week six, he gets Atlanta. And as I mentioned earlier, the Falcons are one of the worst teams in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. They've allowed over six more points per game than their opponents averages this year. So in a game with a 56.5 point over under, according to FanDuel Sportsbook, I think that Cousin works this week as a streamer. Add Andy Dalton. You could also look to Andy Dalton now that Dak Prescott's out. He's going to be available in almost all of leagues. And even though he doesn't have the same type of upside that Prescott does, Dalton's walking into a situation with some of the best weapons in football, probably the best weapons in football. And Dallas' schedule over the next three weeks, they get games against Arizona, Washington, and Philadelphia. Those are three teams that rank in the bottom half of the league and adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. Add the New York Giants defense. 
So just like last week, this week's defensive streamers kind of suck. But New York gets Washington as three-point favorites in a game with a 43.5 point over-under. So they're favorites, and there's a low over-under. Those are two boxes to check. New York's defense isn't great, but they do rank in the top half of the league in pressure rate. And Washington has surrendered the highest sack rate in the entire NFL. So no matter who's under center for Washington, I think that New York is a good streaming option. The 16th transaction this week that you can't get in my 15 transactions column over on numberfire.com is to hold Michael Gallup. There were a number of people in my mentions on Sunday telling me that they were going to just drop Michael Gallup after another down performance. And like, guys, I get it. His highest target share in the season is just 16%. He's only got a 12% target share overall. Sometimes this is talent related. If someone's not good, they're not going to see a lot of targets. Sometimes a lower target share could be due to scheme and changes within an offense. That could be the case, but sometimes it's also quarterback related. We don't know exactly how Andy Dalton is going to target his wide receivers. And in our limited sample on Sunday for what it's worth, Michael Gallup saw three of Dalton's 11 targets. Now, I don't expect the Cowboys offense to get better without Dak Prescott. But I also think there's still some chance that Gallup sees a higher target share with the quarterback change. Because that can happen. So I'm definitely not out here trying to buy Michael Gallup given the start of his season. That's not worthwhile. Do not do that. I do think, though, that you should do your best to hold on to him, especially with the aforementioned week schedule for Dallas that's upcoming. That's going to do it for today's show, though. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you've yet subscribed to the Late Round Podcast, make sure you are by searching for it pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at LateRoundQB. Thanks, everyone. I'll talk to you tomorrow.